I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, can what? I gotta intro it. Oh, we can't okay, just jump whatever. Into fine, it, Sean. fine. I'm gonna. We might just use that as our I'm intro. Just, hey, everybody! I'm just so psyched to be singing the song. You are. I mean, dude. like, I didn't know you were gonna do that intro. That threw me for a loop. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We have a great show for you. Uh, in the second segment, we have Everett Fitzhugh, who does play-by-play for the Seattle Kraken, and uh, made a little bit of history a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. A week ago. Everything blends together, and I'm pumped to talk to Everett, not for just that reason, but because he's a Detroit native and a proud American, mm-hmm. uh, like us, and like the show is dedicated to. And Sean, I'm not I a can't de- whoa, think whoa, whoa, of it. Not, tr- yeah. not a Detroit native. I feel like I got lumped he's in with not? that. I'm not. I'm a proud American, like you and Everett. And also Detroit native, I thought. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's not even... You're not even Sterling Heights? Um, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Sterling Heights. That's okay. my hometown. Um, but I can't think of anything more American, Sean, than paying up a gambling loss. <laughs> uh, so we made, uh, maybe you could say ill-advised, but I, you know what? I don't believe it was. We made a bet with the Monday show that the U.S. women would beat the Canadian women in the gold medal game of the Olympics. Never once even considering we would lose the bet. No. I didn't even, it wasn't even, and in a second here, you're going to wish even more that the Americans had won. I was definitely not like, we're, I definitely didn't think we were certainly going to lose the bet. Was not concerned about the fact that uh, the U.S. had two lines that they were comfortable using and that Lee Steckline was playing 45 minutes a game on defense and didn't really have a, you know, didn't didn't have a lockdown goalie. I was not concerned about any of that. That was not going no. through my mind when I made this bet. Nope. 
but it's okay. I, our, our patriotism and our blind support for the U.S. women's hockey team uh, shown through in, in the bet. And what the stakes were, the loser has to sing the anthem of the opposing country. And um, I, I initially, on the private Slack, said, no, there will be no singing because I'm, I'm, t- I'm, I'm tone deaf. Like, you, you're going to hear this. I can't carry a tune. I tend to just, if like, if we're singing uh, hymns in a church, I'm just mouthing it. Like, there's, there's no singing. What do you do for, what have you done, like, historically on the kids' birthdays? Oh, obnoxious dad, happy mm-hmm. birthday. I, yeah, like, either over the top or you're going to get nothing. So we'll see where this ends up. My family, so we, my yes. my family adopted uh, a restaurant song. The song they sing, in, the song they used to sing in in Chi-Chi's. Really? <laughs> happy, like you got to come happy, clapping happy out of the kitchen. Happy, happy, happy <laughs> birthday! Yeah, I think my aunt worked there when she was in high school or something, and that turned into like the birthday song at at, at family parties. Was that because the Gentiles didn't want to fa- pay the happy birthday sisters? <laughs> yeah, those, those, those miserable old crones, Mildred and Patricia Hill, you mean? Well, guess what? We can sing happy birthday if we want to now because like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Is that true? Can we sing happy I, birthday? I don't know. I don't want to risk we it. Should do, like, let's do it, actually. Sing happy birthday and see if we get fined yeah, call, by the sisters. Like, text Hansman right now. Give him the heads up. We might Just be, give we uh, might be getting a heads up. Hey, there could be a lawsuit coming. <laughs> You guys are either going to uh, you, you guys are either going to get a uh, a cease and desist or a or a sizable bill for what's about to happen on this podcast. Um, but what we can we know we can sing is O Canada, and we and because we are men of our word, we are going to sing it. And Sean gave us a little, so we're going to let Sean lead us in with some table pounding and a, an intro, and we are going to bang this out and. Um, I, know, took, I took off my I do? took off my baseball hat and everything. My hair is yeah, extremely extremely dirty. <laughs> so whatever, that's the way it goes. All right, we're doing we're doing a sacapella, okay? All right, here we go. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Oh, Canada, Canada our, our home and native land. We're really slowing it down. True, true patriot love in all of us command with glowing hearts we see the rise, rise the true north strong and free from far and wide we stand on guard for thee. God, keep our land glorious and free. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Big finish, Johnny. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for Play ball? What do they say in Canada after they do this? Let's play some hockey. Let's play some hockey. Oh, producer oh, Jeff. Yeah. The, oh, man, that's the, most, that's, that's the most disingenuous clap I've ever seen in my life, let me tell you. Oh, he's ready to, he's pumped. <laughs> no, he's happy because we sucked. Whatever, that's fine. Was it that bad? Can we listen, to, can we roll it back? 
Yeah, you were behind no, me. Let's, you were like, I, I feel like I was. I was a, not behind you. I, you were behind me, according to my Skype. Whatever. Great job, dude. <sighs> this guy also Mendez Mackenzie. You're welcome. You're welcome, yeah. Canada. You're welcome, Canada. That makes up it, for the like, th- that ma- that almost makes up for the sixth place finish in the men's tournament, right? You know, um, I just want to tell any hockey ranks. You feel free to use that if you like. If you need a recording of uh, O Canada for your your like, maybe you don't have a singer that night. Really, I thought you know it's available for a fee, not a large one, a small one. No, unlike the si- Happy Birthday Sisters. This is oh, we, so this is like this is like rights free music. <laughs> we will share that. Um, so, so so Sean, getting into hockey, and and I'm and I'm. I'm excited to talk to Everett in a minute here, but a not a ton going on. First no, of all, this is brutal. Like we were like, hey, what, what, let's let's just, let's dive into some of the meaty topics. But I will say this: interesting development. And I know we don't talk about Montreal, but we do talk about American players. Cole Caulfield, American hero, um, is on a just a straight bender right now. All my boy needed was another small goals boy to tell him what to do. This is this is the San Luis effect. Obviously. Is it that easy? Yes. Like you just say, hey, let's bring in a coach who is the same player as our prospect who just can't seem to get going. No, and we're going to say, well, like, what, like, what's Marty St. Louis telling him? Like, really, that no other people haven't told him. <laughs> Representation matters. It's important that it's important mm-hmm. that Cole sees another another short king in a position of power. I think Cole Caulfield knew Marty St. Louis existed already. Like, I don't know. He never met him. Never oh. heard of him. How about that? Cole Caulfield's what, 21? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Early 20s. Like, he kind of remembers Marty St. Louis being good. That's yeah. how That's how weird of like a generational spot we're in right now. It's like we're fast approaching the time where like Cole Caulfield probably didn't quite watch Marty St. Louis growing up. That's how old we are. No, he did. Do the math. The- he thinks of him as a New York Ranger? Uh, unquestionably. He does not remember a game he played. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I bet he doesn't remember a game he played for the... I, he has no recollection of, of him watching him play live for the Lightning. No way. No way. Um, Cole Caulfield, how many... What has he got? Five goals in six games or something crazy? What's important, so, what's important is if he keeps this up for the rest of the season, he will have a chance at fulfilling my 40-goal prediction for him at the start of this year. Is that what you said? Oh, no, dude, we did. I in in power rankings one week. Me and Dom did crazy predictions, like one for each team. Not crazy, yeah. but like like over the top. And some of some of them honestly are coming true. Not that one. I think I think Dom said Dom said twenty or something. So of course he's going to be right because he always is. But yeah, that's got to be one of the biggest reasons for optimism coming into the first. You know whatever eight games of the Marty San Luis era or, or, or whatever we're on right now is that yeah. players like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and guys who are going to need to be good. If the Montreal Canadiens want to be good anytime soon, they're the ones that have kind of uh, have most clearly benefited, you know, from <laughs> whether it's having Marty San Luis around, whether it's having Dom Ducharme, you know, elsewhere, there's some kind of effect there, and that's got to be a major, major source of of uh, 
of confidence or a, a source of my positivity. I think Arpin wrote something good last week, right? Where he was just like, this that fan base and that team and that city needs to take whatever they can get from the next however however many games because that that is how bad the first fifty games of the season were. It was just it was devoid of hope and devoid of of positivity. So they'll take whatever they can get, and having Caulfield and Suzuki producing is a big is a big part of that. So they make the coaching change. The record's eight thirty and seven. Um, Cole Caulfield is we're starting to wonder if he's a, a complete bust, right? Like all that you like, how much is what's happening now in your opinion, Dom Ducharme? Like, like maybe he just, maybe he was the problem. Is it the, you know, the dead cat bounce where a little, just a change of scenery gets you some momentum. Is Marty St. Louis a really good coach? Like what were like, how much of these, uh, of each of those are you putting I mean, into I the th- recipe? I don't, I'm always hesitant to, find one skeleton key solution for yeah for a season that's that completely off the rails like anything that could go wrong with them did right you have carry price needing to take time away you have you know unreasonable excuse me expectations based on last year when they were not good that was not a good that was not a good hockey team last year they got hot at the right time and got lucky and i think that sort of set the bar way 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 too high you have issues yeah. that they had with player development, which is maybe not necessarily a Dom Ducharme thing, but we'd seen, you know, we'd seen the Kotkaniemi's of the world, you know, kind of fizzle out. That was a, that was a major issue. You had COVID issues. You had injury issues. Like any everything that could go wrong went wrong. But I do think a big part of it was was Dom Ducharme, right? Because it was especially at the end. Like you saw the way Josh, like they they were rolling Josh Anderson out there every night, and he was getting progressively more pissed off. Like they were, it's safe to say, and this is like an educated guess that they were, that they were, that they were done with that dude and something, and something needed to happen. So that, then that's always the way it works, right? Players are finished with a coach. They're tuning them out. That's only going to be magnified when the guy's not a good coach to begin with by, by, by a lot (laughs) of measures in, in the NHL. Like let's, 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 let's be real about it. Then you bring in Marty San Luis and you know. I don't know. I, I think I think it's a it's a positive effect. Something needed to go right. Like the odds that they were going to be as bad as they were, as hopelessly bad as they were over the over the course of an eighty two game season, were slim, right? Because they that yeah. had just been a black hole of negativity and and uh, and and they were. I don't know how much them you watched over the last few weeks of of, of the Ducharme era, dude. But that was it was abysmal. Nope, not much. Um, that's no, no, no you, you told me you're, you, no, that's actually not true. That's not true. You told me you're watching them every night. You love the every, I mean, is that a lot every night? I mean, I would, I every, just say I didn't, I didn't watch, re- I didn't watch the replay of the game every, after I watched the every line. single night. Um, Pierre Lebrun reporting today that the Dallas Stars want to re up Joe Pavelski. It, it's, so, Pierre, which is fun every time this time of year, does a lap around the league, talks to every GM. Uh, it, you know, gets, gives you a little flavor of what each GM is planning on doing at the trade deadline. And uh, Jim Nill tells Pierre he's going to sit down with Joe Pavelski and try to bring him back. Coming off of, a, he's on the last year of a three-year deal worth $21 million. He's 37 years old, 53 points in 49 games. Great American Joe Pavelski. With all this to say, um, I, I love, I mean, the Stars are just constantly trying to keep it going there. At what point do you cut bait on Joe Pavelski for the stars? It's a great question. That team is Pavelski and Robertson mm-hmm. and Hintz 
in Haskinen. Mm -hmm. Like that's, they're really, they're really, really top heavy at this point. And the problem is that you have Tyler Sagan making a ton of money and Jamie Ben making a ton of money and Radulov making a ton. Like those are the mm -hmm. problems, right? That's what makes them a win now team that can't really win now is the amount of money they have locked up right. in older guys that aren't producing. Joe Pavelski is not in that group. He's nope. He's not just, and he's not just really productive. He's him and Robertson have something special together. I, I, I that I mean, not to keep harping back on on the Olympics, but that was something that I was that I personally had really hoped to see was if the chemistry between Robertson and Pavelski could transfer over to a best on best international tournament because they're they're that they're that good together, right? Yeah. So I can see the logic for nil. You know, you see the bones of a good team there. Maybe you find something to do with Sagan. You know, I don't, it's, it's tough. It's tough to look at that team on this insane roller coaster that they're on, because that's what happens when you're as reliant on a few players as they are. They're good for stretches and then they're, then they're horrendous for stretches. And the end result is a really, really mediocre team. It's tough to see that um, on paper and understand why they would want to bring back the 37 year old. Right. Dude. Right. But man, he's also been good enough where you're like, okay, comes back on a short-term deal. Maybe they can clear cap elsewhere because if you think they can win now and clearly and clearly they still do, you know, Pavelski's not the problem. Now that's the easy right, part. Right. Deciding to keep Joe Pavelski would be the easy part if you want to be a decent team for the next few years. The tough part is figuring out what to do with Sagan and figuring out what to do with Ben and and addressing the cap issues that are elsewhere on that roster. Yeah. I, like I, I get, I get where the temptation would be to tr move him at the trade deadline because somebody with that kind of production and that presence in a dressing room like Joe Pavelski would be really valuable to a team. But you're right, like it's it's not getting better in two years, so you might as well try to ride this out with this crew and see what happens. Seriously, if if you think that Sagan is going to be as hard to move as it seems like he will be, mm -hmm. and whatever else, you might as well just roll with it because the next few years are going next. <clears throat> couple years are going to be are going to be painful like they're a lot they're locked in to a lot of different stuff so i can see the the temptation or the inclination to say just like you know screw it yeah fine we'll bring them back we'll bring them back for three years and 21 million dollars or whatever or whatever it ends up being whatever right. over whatever overpayment they throw at this dude i don't know if you have to overpay at this point maybe joe you know, maybe, you know, part of the reason Jim Nils said he, they want him back, A, he's been great, but also loves the area, been big in the community. Like, it seems like he's settled in. Maybe at this point, Joe's made his money and you can get him on a, on a reasonable deal. I don't know. I haven't talked I guess, to him. but if you're Joe, the flip side is if you're Joe, why, like, how much do you believe in this team's ability can, to contend moving forward? Like, if, if you're Joe, right. why don't, why would you take less money to sign with a, with a C-plus team? Go somewhere yeah. else. Go somewhere else where, where you have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup, not one that you can see if you squint. And you say like, <laughs> all right, well, maybe if they can buy out Sagan and blah, 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 blah. No, go somewhere else where you can actually get it done. And I don't think that's Dallas. So I'm so if I'm Joe, I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. Give me $20 million for three years. I'll, I'll, I'll be back then. Does it hurt the legacy of these guys, these Sharks, the Marlows, the Thorntons? Let's say Pavelski says the last couple of years of his career, he's going to try to chase a cup or whatever that looks like when they're, you know, they're, they're in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh or Florida or like, is that just how it goes? Like, do we, do we sit there and go, that somehow is tarnished with the, this, this crew did in San Jose? They were really good for a lot of years. 
I don't put, I think this is maybe a generational thing between like maybe you and me and like a cohort of media folks that are a little bit older than us. I don't really penalize guys for not winning Stanley Cups all that much. Yeah, I I don't penalize them as as harshly as maybe maybe, uh, certain other people do. It's hard. It's, Are you talking about somebody, it's not me. I don't. It's hard to know. I'm not talking Joe about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about you at all. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think any. I don't think any less of Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe or or Joe Pavelski for not, for not getting it done. Like, it's tough. Their 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 best year they ran into they ran into Matt Murray. You know. Like, yep. What what do you what are you gonna do? I I don't have any I don't have any outstanding issues with them because those guys have those guys have not just been productive. They've been fun to watch. They've been cool. They've been, They've been awesome. you know, they're like, they check, they check a lot of boxes there, man. So I'm not, I'm not thinking any, any less of them, but what's important to not lose sight of, I think, is that those are some really good teams they were on. Sharks were a wagon right. for, for, for a few years and it didn't work out for a handful of reasons, but no, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know. Do you, I, I don't think them all that much. No, I don't, I don't, I, not at all. I, we're aligned on that. The, the interesting thing to me about Pavelski is, um, you know, you worry as you get older, maybe he's not you know, maybe he's not going to be a great skater. Joe was never a great skater, mm-hmm. right? Like, so maybe he just knows where to go on the ice and is a, can old man his way through another couple of years. He's got the sense in, in the brain where, you know, in, in the game that's going to be able to, that you would think could sustain him for a couple more years, right? And I right. and I hate to, and I don't want to rag on Eric Stahl, but I was watching Eric Stahl at, at the Olympics and he wasn't good. Like he, like yeah. the legs, the legs aren't there. I don't know. I, I don't, I would be surprised if he got a legitimate NHL look from a decent team coming out of that tournament. Cause he looked and, and maybe it was cause he hadn't played in a while. Maybe he needed a couple more games to get his legs under him. I don't know, but he looked, he looked done from a leg yeah. standpoint and also, and did he have the playmaking ability of a Joe Pavelski? Did he have the well, the rounded game of, of, of a Joe Pavelski? Maybe not quite. And Pavelski has that kind of, He's got that ability in the tank that maybe a guy like Eric Stahl doesn't have, right? And that and that's yeah. something that could that, that could sustain him. But that's a topic that always that always fascinates me, man. Is finding the guys whose game is such that it's gonna it's gonna sustain them when their legs really start to go. And we right. saw we like saw who, like who is it? It goes quickly. It'd be like Brendan Morrow is a great player and all of a sudden he's it's not. like oh he's out of the league he's not you know what I mean? like, there's right some that's it we're, it, we're like, like we're like the light we're like the light yeah the, the light goes off and a lot of times it is the guys who don't have the elite skating ability from the start right like you think yeah. of, you think that of, extend it you're saying yeah because that because that's yeah. something where the, that they had to contend with for the rest of their careers i look i look i look at john i look at john Tavares as a guy like that right yeah like this skating with him was always a concern and maybe he's done as like, you know, a, a first or second tier player. But I think that John Tavares, because he's a, because he's got that vision and he's got that playmaking ability and he's had to deal with being a, you know, whatever, a C plus skater for his entire career. I think he's going to be able to stick around longer than, than some of those guys. Brent, Brendan Morrow is such a great example, right? That's, that's such a, that's like my that's go-to such for a great this, example. Because when, when the Penguins traded for him, and it was that year that they traded for a Ginla, Douglas yeah. Murray. It was the year that Shiro went all in because he knew that probably on some level his job was maybe not on the line, but pretty close to it. He just went all in. Morrow was the one when he showed up, I was like, this dude is finished. It was clear, it was clear from the jump. Like the legs just yeah. weren't there. 
And it's a bummer. It's a bummer to watch, especially when it's guys who maybe who like in my case, like I I loved Brendan Morrow when 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 I was right. a kid. I loved watching him. Like he's like a perfect hockey player. And then at the end, you're just like, this isn't this isn't gonna work, right? So I the, so that whole discussion is always is always really interested me. And I think Pavelski is is a pretty fascinating test case. I think he's got a couple years left, though. I think he's got a couple years left. And we saw what happened to San Jose. Like they they made the you know. I guess you could say tough decision and they let him walk and they spend that money essentially on Evander Kane. Um, <laughs> How that probably didn't work out great for the Sharks. And whatever. Hey, whatever, whatever happened with him. It's, you know, <laughs> Evander Kane He's still didn't there. go well. Didn't work out. Um, so, right. Like, you know, you, you, you cut bait early on Joe Pavelski at your own peril, right? Like, you know, Joe's one a competitive guy and, and uh, I, I, I don't mind a short term bet on him. Maybe one or two more years. I w- personally, I wouldn't I, like. I would not bet against Joe Pavelski being worth whatever money you pay him over over the next few years. Yeah. My issue is the Dallas Stars. It's not Joe Pavelski. It is the it is the rest of that roster and in, in the way it's constructed. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break here and uh, and join a conversation with Everett Fitzhugh, Seattle Kraken radio play by play guy. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, we will be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are now pleased to be joined by somebody who thankfully has a much better voice than Sean and I. I, I don't know. Everett, can you sing? This is Everett Fitzhugh. That's play-by-play for the Seattle Kraken. Can you sing it all? And I've been known I've been known to carry a tune. Yeah, I was uh I was in choir and performing really? arts really? when I was in high oh school. So it's yeah. okay. We should have <laughs> well, you're coming on a second late then. We definitely we needed help. We needed help. Are you a are you a are you a karaoke guy? We should start asking this to everybody. What's oh, your go to what's what's your go to karaoke? Am, song? I am a karaoke guy. Number one, I will shut the bar down with "Roses" by Outkast. <laughs> yes. that is my yes. Don't like don't go after me because wow. you're not going to be able to follow it. And it. Oh man, me and uh me and Tyler Batiste, who's the NBA managing editor here, we try to do we try to do the artist story uh, the artist storytelling. Yeah, at karaoke like a couple years ago, it didn't it didn't go well. But oh, yeah. it's, it's it's okay. I, I I ruined that too. Believe it or not, <laughs> I've heard stories of of guys around the NHL, broadcasters, PR folks. You know, your traveling staff whenever you hit these cities, and oh yeah, it was a cold night in Ottawa, and we found this uh, divey karaoke bar. We were there all night. I'm still waiting for one of those days to happen but when that day comes it's going to be it's, it's inevitable be that day will come because everybody has that version of that story. 
we're gonna have like two years of pent up karaoke energy come <laughs> oh, yeah. out next season, baby. The road trips are gonna be. We uh, <laughs> we have a Slack channel here at the Kraken uh, karaoke Slack Get channel with here. the two of us in the organization. <laughs> like so we we've been trying to find a date. We had a date picked, but then COVID spiked again, so it was like probably not a good idea for us to all be yelling into the same microphone. So, but I think this summer we're going to uh, we're gonna all get together and do a Kraken uh karaoke night somewhere uh here in seattle yeah whenever we we got to circle the date whenever the crack can come to pittsburgh next year yeah. I'll, we can hit up a couple of different spots i, I know i know a, i know i know a place or two we'll so, you're, uh, so I'm, my son is big into the plays and musicals at his high school right now we just wrapped up um guys and dolls did yep. you have like a a, a a you know a senior year uh production you were proud of I did. Uh, I was actually my junior year. Junior. Uh, so I was, a, I was a, a, a techie for my first, um, my first two years in, in uh, theater. And then junior year is when I, I ascended uh. to starting. Uh, <laughs> I was in a, in a backup role in the beauty and the beast oh, musical. Nice. Um, and then I was one of the lead roles in hair, the 1970s uh, uh, play about the vietnam war and you know all that other stuff rebellion and all that so uh that was that was my big one and then my grades kind of slipped so my mom was like well you're going to college so senior year i was uh (laughs) i was kind of locked down making sure that i was trying that i could get into college but you you didn't you didn't have a reprisal of your performance as one of the as one of the the dancing plates in beauty and the beast (laughs) or like town town person number four i was town's person number four and i was also um i was also a fork uh this big um plastered mold which by the way a six three black fork like that is a very imposing figure um it was it was it was impossible to miss me running across the I'm That's glad great. this has already got off the rails. We, so, what, what high school did you go to? Now, I'm from the Detroit area, so I want to see yeah, if we can so just... I, I, uh, I went to Ann Arbor Pioneer. Right. So, I was born and raised in Detroit. Uh, so, I, I tell folks that, and they're like, oh, so you're from Ann Arbor. But no, I'm from Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I did my uh, middle school, my high school up in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we, we moved back down to the city. Once I graduated, that's whenever I go back to Detroit, that's where I go. I go to the house that my mom, uh, my, my grandmother bought in 1963. We've been in that house for, that's you awesome. know, going on 60 years. So, um, over 60 years now, actually. So, that's, uh, that's where I, I live. That's awesome. Where did you land on uh, in your Cincinnati versus uh, Matt Stafford rooting? Because I know you you know you spent some time in Cincy. So where did you land? Yeah, there? it was it was hard. Uh, I at the end of the day, I was happy for Matt Stafford. I think the bitterness of the Bengals getting good right as I right after I left. Since I mean, they were not okay. a good football team. You know, I went to a handful of games. I, I did the tailgates, and I lived through the depression of being a Bengals fan. And then the second I leave the city here here comes joe burrow and here comes the super bowl championship so uh but no i i think ultimately i was happy for matt stafford um i wasn't like going crazy like a lot of detroiters were yeah. that was a little it weird was, to i me, thought it was over the top but i, I liked it i was happy for him but the, the whole detroit rams shirts and all that yeah. i didn't sign up on that that was that was a little weird, but that ultimately, I think my my fandom for uh, for stafford took over yeah. there but i'm with you that was a little weird 
your trailblazer status started early. You were the probably the first black fork in the history of of the, <laughs> of the dramatic productions at your I, high school. It paved, can, it paved the way for for what for what you would do in the future. I'd be willing to put twenty bucks on that. I'm, I, I don't. I, I think that might be the case. <laughs> so, uh, so you said on on February seventeenth. I'm reading it one of your tweets. Tonight is a night I'll be telling my grandkids about. Yeah, you and and JT becoming the first ever all black broadcast uh, in the NHL. So, what yeah. are you going to tell your grandkids now that it's done? Uh, I'm I'm going to tell them that that I was able to to be a part of history and and that I was able to show um, kids who look like myself, kids who may be on the fence about becoming a hockey fan. I know that I was when I was younger, um, that that you belong in this space, that, that there is a, a place for your voice and for your fandom within the game of hockey. Um, so many times as a kid and, and even now, you know, hockey is is referred to as as a white man's game right but now we're seeing more people of color we're seeing more women we're seeing more people who were told you're not supposed to be here getting involved in the sport for the better um and, and it's and it's great and i'm hoping that you know 40 years down the road 50 years down the road when i become a grandparent um i can say like hey do you see the the six black play-by-play announcers the two female play-by-play announcers the you know whatever asian play-by-play announcers or jt and i were a part of that first wave and and that's going to be really cool um to to see hopefully to see and watch that progression as as it moves on i think that's something that like craig and i certainly didn't have to worry about right like the the idea of representation and being able to look at you know, to see people who look like you doing the job that you want to do. That wasn't an issue for us. We're, we're yeah. two, we're two, we're two white, we were two white kids, two, two white males gr- growing up, right? That was, the, that was the hegemonic kind of, do- kind of dominant, dominant thing, not a concern, right? But that's something that I've got, I've certainly gotten a lot, a much better sense of appreciation for over the last mm-hmm. 10 years or so. And it's something that I, I, I read what you said after, Afterwards, just the act of being able to see people who look like you doing the job that you want to do, whether it's yes. women watching Cami Granado or, or 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 people of color watching you, I mean that's a that's such that's such a major thing, and I feel like it can't really even get stressed enough, honestly. Yeah, and I think the answer to that, and and it, it took me a while to put this into words because. You know, I I was always kind of uh, confused, and and you know why why is that? Why why aren't there uh, more people who look like me um, within this game? You know, it can be a very it can be a very lonely place um, when you go to press boxes, you go to arenas. I remember the first time I set foot in in the arena when I was in Bowling Green. I was the only black person in the press box. I think I might have been the only black person in the entire building. Um, and you didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but as I did more hockey, as I got the play by play job at Bowling Green, as I decided to make a career out of this in the USHL and going to, you know, some of the the great junior cities in America and, and going to Cincinnati and the ECHL, you start to notice a pattern, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it, it can, 
can be it can be a lonely place. But to be able to to have stuck with it for this long and and getting to the NHL was the first professional goal that I'd ever set for myself back when I was seven, 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. Um, so I knew that I was going to get here, that I wanted to get here. But on that way, uh, on that journey and on that path to getting here, um, it was very it was very weird just because, like like you said, you guys, you can go to rinks. And, and even if you don't see folks, maybe uh, wherever, you're still going to have fans who look like you. There's mm -hmm. still going to be someone in social media. There's still going to be. We don't have that. We as black people, a lot of times women don't have that um, ability. So, you, yeah, it, it was a little lonely, but being able to, to see now the steps that this uh, game has made has been has been really special to to watch firsthand and that was such a cool thing of watching the crack and build that organization right yeah. whether it's brave is bringing in chanel and, and chanel keenan and, and and the work she's done mm -hmm. bringing guys like you and jt and cammy like this the the conscious effort that they had from the start of of building that of that whole thing out right that's like a bulwark yeah. a bulwark sort of thing of the organization yeah, it's very intentional. It's very deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to credit Todd Lewicki, our CEO, who, you know, he believes in hiring the best people and mm -hmm. he wanted to, he wants to do things differently for the better. He wants to change the face and change the, the game uh, from that diversity uh, perspective and inclusion perspective. And we put such a premium on that on that. Um, if you would have told me that I would have off the top of my head, eight black coworkers, nine black coworkers on a hockey, on a hockey team, team. Uh, I, I would have taken that bet all day long. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've had more black female people of color coworkers on one zoom meeting mm -hmm. than I've had my entire career combined. Um, you know what I mean? And, and that is so special to see because you walk into the, to, to the office every day, we're all rowing the same boat. We're all pushing toward the same goal, but you have so many different perspectives and so many different viewpoints. Um, you know, we took a photo, uh, this last road trip, it was myself, it was JT, it was Zach, who was on our social media team. Uh, it was Marcus who's on our digital team. And then Jason, who was our team, uh, our team masseuse. And we, we were sitting around in, in Calgary and we were sharing a couple of beers and we were like, man, we're, we're doing something here. Like five black dudes on a hockey road trip working yeah. for a hockey team. And we, we couldn't help but chuckle because like, <laughs> this is not supposed to happen. You know what right. I mean? But that just goes to show you, um, the importance of that representation and, and real quick, I know I'm rambling no, here. No, I apologize. No, no. <laughs> you know, everyone always wants to say that, Oh, they only got this job because of, of their black or there, there were diversity hires. I can tell you right now, Todd Lightwicky sure as hell isn't just giving jobs away. Uh, you know, the Seattle crack and the people who were hiring, I remember Todd told me, he goes, you know, whatever, when I heard your, your call and, and I talked to you, I, I wanted to, to get to know you more. And I want you to know that you've earned and deserve this job. Um, if I thought you were a bad broadcaster, I would have just said, Hey, I wish you luck. Keep up the good work. And, and, and maybe our paths will cross down the road. So for him to say that long, long time ago, that meant a lot to me. And, mm -hmm. and for the people out there who are saying that, you know, they were only hired because they're black, they're only hired because they're women. 
until you know what it's like to be the only person in that space, you know, I, I don't know if that's um, if that's a proper way of thinking because mm-hmm. everyone that I work with is super talented and they are are good at what they do. They're good people um, and and they are making us better every single day. The right way to frame it, I think, is that whether it's whether it's Todd Lewicki or anybody in the, in the organization, they're opening themselves up to the possibility that someone like you is the right person for the job. Okay. Like it, like they're they're doing themselves a favor mm. by uh, considering you know whatever a larger yeah. a larger talent pool than maybe otherwise would have been because it was so closed off. And that's why I think like the intent. And you mentioned the intentionality of what of what Todd did. I think that's a really important element of of, of the process, right? Like mm-hmm. you actually, they're actually saying, no, this is, this is how we're going to do it. It's mm-hmm. not just, it's, it, it's not just saying like, we're going to hire the best person for the job. It's actually, you know, considering that during the entire process in kind of a holistic way. Yeah. And that's not wrong. That's not mm-hmm. bad to say, right. I wonder if instead of just doing our normal hiring uh, process. Maybe there is a person of color out there who we don't know about that is doing the exact same thing. Just to see at the end of the day, if there isn't, okay, but at least we, we turned that stone over and we went to look for a black person, an Asian person, a woman, uh, a Hispanic uh, person. You know what I mean? Just anybody who doesn't fit the the mold so to speak right so uh, that's important you are allowed to do that you are allowed you are allowed to be inclusive that's okay and don't 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 be scared of being inclusive and, and trying to find people from all corners of of the world right contrary to the last however many decades white yeah, men are exactly. not the only are not the only demographic capable okay. of, speak, of, of talking about okay. hockey and evaluating <laughs> hockey players exactly sounds exactly. crazy so yeah right i don't know if people realize the like y- y- you mentioned that that making it to the nhl was your goal like that was mm-hmm. your primary goal the degree of difficulty in your chosen profession um I, like that that space there's only there's a finite number of those jobs <laughs> They yep. hardly ever open up, right? Like once you get yep. one of those jobs, you're not leaving. Um, you have to not only, you know, call games at, at Bowling Green and USHL, you're probably, I'm guessing you probably had to sell some ads and like, you're not just sitting in the radio booth, you know, honing your craft. Um, well, yeah. you know, what, what motivated you to, to, to get to this finish line? What was your, what was your driving passion? You know, I, 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 I think, um, for me, I, I, it was simple. Uh, I, I loved broadcasting. I loved play by play. I love the game of hockey. Um, and, and I wanted to get to the highest, uh, the highest place in my profession. Um, you know, I, I had a blast in Youngstown, in Cincinnati, doing PR and social media and marketing. I was the mascot on a couple of yeah. occasions. I was, uh, yeah, I that's was, what I was uh, I, that's, that's what I was going to ask. I have, <laughs> I have, I have, I have friends. I have friends who, who started out in broadcasting and they yep. had to fill in for the mascot a couple of yep. times. I was specifically, okay. Couple, couple summers, couple community appearances. Like, hey, we don't want to, 
you know, hey, you're here, throw the costume on. I, I did our team services. Mm-hmm. Uh, I helped out with immigration. Um, I I was on the hockey op staff one summer, and I put hockey op staff in air quotes because I was helping our. Uh, I was going through um, NCAA prospect pools uh, for our coach, and I was gathering a list of all the players who had or seniors and who we could talk to 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 sign in Cincinnati. Right, so you wear so many hats. Yeah um in in that level but i think for me i I just always wanted to to broadcast games at the nhl level and it was i wouldn't trade that journey that experience uh i used to joke all the time you know one of the worst places in the world was wheeling west virginia on a sunday afternoon because you just want to go home you know the fans are the fans are passionate i loved playing and wheeling but i hated playing and wheeling because it was just one of that style of play they just suck the life out of you it's three o'clock on a sunday i could be in my bed at home and like man we're now i'm gonna call this three two game in the wheel but you know that that's a place that you know that is minor league hockey personified i, I love that city yeah because the, um, the only thing to do in wheeling on a saturday night yeah. is go is, is go is go to that casino too and so listen, <laughs> they, they support their team I, I remember the worst road trip we ever had uh was we were uh friday night we played in indianapolis we drive three and a half hours to Fort Wayne play Saturday night. Uh, one of our players gets injured, actually had to be taken to the hospital. He was fine. Um, and then we had a seven and a half hour bus ride to Brampton, Ontario for a Sunday two o'clock game. The border patrol, the guy, <laughs> we pull in and get out of the bus. And this guy, he's got this long 12 gauge shotgun standing there. And he's like walking back and forth. It's what midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And we're all just like shivering and cold. Stop talking. Stand in line. No uh. talking. <laughs> we roll into the hotel in Brampton uh, at 10 a.m., oh. 9 a.m. for a two o'clock game. So I got an hour of sleep, shower change, and then off to the rink we went. We actually won that game. I was uh, I, 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 fear, I figured the boys look great in that one, right? That of course. was, if I'm not mistaken, that was Uko Pekalukadin's first pro win. He was called up. And he won that game. I think he won. We called him up that day and he won that game for us. I got to go back and double check that. But uh, um, I hope he he savored that experience because I don't know how many many wins are in his future as a member of the Buffalo Buffalo Sabres organization. I I know we flew him into Brampton for we we brought him into Brampton for what it might have been the next year. But I think that was that game. But anyway, so, yeah, but but you have so many stories like that. Right. So. Um, it, it was a great experience, and, and I, I'm just over the moon thrilled to, to be able to see this dream of mine realized. I so. want to just point out how important the first thing you said was um, you loved broadcasting and you loved play-by-play, and then you also loved hockey. But like I, that's a conversation I have with young people in the industry that are, like that's what you can tell right away like who's got the drive, and if you like, why are you doing yeah. this? And it's like. Oh, I just, I love hockey. And I'm, well, yeah, so do 20,000 other people in this building, <laughs> right? But when you say, hey, I'm passionate about broadcasting, right? And storytelling. Yeah. And I, like, that's, you know, that's such a great answer. And that's where it needs to start. Right? Yeah, I think so. And, and working in sports is a very rewarding career. Um, but I will say the one thing that I found with working in sports is that it, 
it kind of clips your fandom a little sure. bit because you have the you have the no cheering in the press box rule. Uh, so I, you know, I, I I can't watch a hockey game as a fan. I, I can't just I can't go to the rink and just sit there and watch a game. We went to the um, the Jets wild game uh, the day before our game. And I remember sitting in the press box and I was like, man, it's quiet in here. Like, I don't I don't know how to watch a game as a fan. Like, I'm just I'm, I'm calling it back and forth. I'm looking around at all the all the marketing initiatives in the building and, you know, all the different on ice stuff like, oh, their uh, oh, their team store looks good. Oh, their MC. That's a cool scarf she has on. I wonder, you know, if we can do something like that, you know, all these mm-hmm. things in the back of your mind that, that that's going on. But I, I just love the the art of broadcasting and the yeah. and and. and and the yeah. beauty of telling that story. I think there's in every, anybody who's like kind of in our line of work, I think there's a moment in everyone's career. And it's usually early on where you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure what else I would do. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you have to, oh, you, yeah. you have to have that moment where you're like, this is it. Like I, I like, this is like for, for better or worse, I'm, I'm all in on this. Cause it, if, if you're not, if, if that's not the, if that's not the mindset, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how anybody makes it work. I know exactly what that moment was. Mm-hmm. I I had just left Bowling Green, so I was I was a play by play announcer. So I was a fifth year senior, so my fourth year, my fifth year, and then my first year out of school, I was a play by play announcer. So after my 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 first year out of school, my third year uh, behind the mic. I was going to come back for a fourth year, but then I was like, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta get a real job. You know, it's 50 bucks a game isn't paying the bill. So, um, I, I went, uh, I, I got a job as, uh, one of those talent acquisition specialists, you know, the, those headhunters that every college kid gets out of school. And I was miserable. The people that I worked with were great. There was a great young staff and I actually still keep in touch with a couple of them, but you know, I'm sitting on spreadsheets every single day. I'm, I'm, I'm having to hit call quotas and, and I'm screening people for jobs at Verizon and, and AT&T as an engineer. And I'm like, all right, this sucks. I'm not trying to be doing this for the next 40 years. <laughs> so I, I, a buddy of mine uh, who I went to school with was working for uh, the Chicago Steel, the USHL. And he called me and said, hey, you know, the league office is looking for a communications person. Would you be interested? And I was like, hell yes, get me. Yes, I want to get back into hockey. This is what I want to do. And, and I was lucky because I was really only out of it for uh, eight months. Our last game was in March. And then I got hired by the USHL in December. Um, but it seemed like forever just because of, I did that four months, five months at that firm, that headhunting firm. And I was like, man, I, I, I have to get back into broadcasting somehow, some way I have to get back into sports. I'm not made for this nine to five office life. I can't do yeah. it. I, and to wrap up from my perspective, unless Sean has something to add here, I, I love you know the the cool benefit now of you getting your platform is is i love that you're using it to promote the work of others like a guy yeah. like jason ross who's doing great work and who's my guy Jason's, oh my guy i you know i used to see him at the little caesar's press box you yeah. know working on his call and just putting in the time and you know mm-hmm. i just love that you're you're like okay i'm retweeting anything you know i can about jason i love that like that's that's it's awesome Every time I hear, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Every time I hear his name, I just smile because this kid is so driven and so dedicated. 
But aside from the fact that he is an unbelievable talent, he is just a great person. Like he is just a nice sweetheart of a guy he is a gentle person and i i want i root for him like i i genuinely want him to do well like i if him and i are going for the same job somewhere down the line give it to him like i you know (laughs) like he give him the job like i just i I love that kid and and he, he is he is killing it with chicago i'm so happy for him um you know i know it's a little bit weird with the whole rotation and and especially for a kid i think he's 23 24 for a kid that young to be in a rotation with a bunch of other folks like that that could be very very stressful and nerve-wracking and i don't know what he's going what's going on inside maybe he is like internally screaming but he's so cool on the outside and and he's killing it so i'm so happy for him awesome well thanks for joining us man it was great chatting with you and this has been fun guys thank you very much again i know i ramble and uh, a lot of stuff to use there i'm i'm all for uh you options if you listen <laughs> whenever this drops you can listen to the first 20 minutes of it you can reevaluate whether you consider yourself a rambler <laughs> awesome. thanks, for this, thanks a lot this was great guys looking forward to the next time thank you so much that was great stuff from everett yeah he was awesome i yeah. towns person number four and <laughs> plate fork 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 uh, anytime you can work in some drama club uh, talk at the oh. start of the uh, conversation, it's great. I think you kind of said it. I just, I love talking to younger broadcasters because, and, and that's no knock on the older guys, right? But you said it yourself. Like these guys keep, they get these jobs and they keep them forever. Yes. So to see, you know, folks like Everett come up, I mean, that's, that's really, it's really, really encouraging, man. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a fun yeah, dude. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I I meant to ask him. I don't know what, you know, I hope they sent something to the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Like, I don't know if they did or if there was, I don't know what you send, the microphone or the game sheet he's taking notes on, but like, what an incredible moment. In I think if, if there's one thing we've kind of learned, it's that the Kraken are going to be in the right spot on that, yeah. right? So, yeah. I'm sure they, I'm sure if there was something they could do or, or something they could send, they were probably on top of it. I, I would I would bet on that. All right. Well, that was awesome. And let's take a quick break and, and then come back with, the it. only it. good segment of the show. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks straight. <laughs> it's like the kid is learning. It's like the wordle. I got my streak going. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the only good segment on the show. Is that the best? That's the best name of anything that I think either of us have ever come up with. We've had to name a lot of stuff, you and I. We've had to name a lot of things through the years, haven't we, Sean? (laughs) And they've all, and buddy, they've all been bad. This is when. Uh, If I never have to name a podcast and or a blog or anything ever again i will be all set a weekly column i remember you had at one point and i can't remember did i oh yeah i and i came up with i can't remember i can't remember remember what it was called do you remember the name because i don't it was like i don't know it this. was like overtime or something it was like extra oh, extra gosh. time how about it was do you blend. remember the full body shots of the columnists at the sporting news magazine so like they had me like stand like with a leg up on a ladder like in, fr- a in, stick. in front of a sheet it was like it was like in the, front of a sheet they, they shot, oh my they, they shot it like they were i wish i still had these because i and i did for a while i may still have them those, as, as those like, photos as like an attack yeah oh god i i, I save them as blackmail material for you they yeah. posed you like you were uh like it was a high school portrait yeah. or something or maybe yeah, it was like I, my it was, senior it was like grab a chair put your varsity coat jacket over it with you know things facing out like <laughs> sit not saddle up the, and then the, li- the listeners aren't going to believe it there's a photo of craig's doing the ac slater on a on a chair <laughs> listen up listen know. up kids why was this a good idea you know if, oh my gosh you- it was so old-timey like newspaper magazine stuff uh, you, you were wearing a, a heinous sweater in it i remember what yes like a, you were you did like the sweater over the over the oxford over like the collared shirt look i mean that's still all i wear it's probably i probably still wear it like it's probably, it's probably you probably have the same oh, wait are you, are you, are you wear, i think you're wearing that same sweater right now right now but this uh, is all right let's dive into it. we got some, yeah. we got some we got the usual caleb uh, live listen and some mm-hmm. some good um Good thoughts from Caleb. A lot of hat talk. <laughs> yeah, hat talk. <laughs> Welcome to hat talk with the tu- with the Tuesday boys. Let's go. Alex R. I've been told I have a big head and I wear a seven and three quarters fitted hat, so don't let those slanders Canadians get you. I do have a big head. It's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I realize that Julian was speaking metaphorically. He was talking about my ego, which... Mm. I mean, but we take everything literally here. At right. The I'm, Show. I'm, re- I'm really stupid and I don't, and I don't get... I don't get metaphors or or uh, or metaphorical speak. So mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically about my size seven and a, seven and whatever it is seven and a half hat. Uh, Craig, as we established, is now keen for the show. He's got a little baby peanut head because he wears a six and seven eighths or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm in the sixes. Michael K with the come chimes in with this with a comment saying, "I wear an eight fitted hat, and that's still kind of tight." All Dude. of you have small ass heads. Okay, so eight is gigantic. I remember it's like it's eight's enormous. Pretty big. 
Yeah, congr- like congrats to Michael. You have a head like a pit bull or something. <laughs> Freak. <laughs> Caleb B., I'm greatly entertained that you have a conscience about the show's stick. This show's shtick. Which I'm not sure. What's I, he referencing? He's referencing the fact that we were talking about the Toffoli trade, and I was like, "Okay, I know we're not supposed to talk about this because it involves two Canadian teams, but it was like an important. Oh. It was an important thing that happened this week. Like we got to actually kind of delve into it a little bit. And you cut me off at a certain point. Like you had had more than enough Toffoli speak. Like your Montreal Canadiens talk today. Way too much. <laughs> That's cool. Caulfield. Yeah, we should just. Mm, then you veered and started talking we about actually, that. Should we actually stop naming Canadian people on the show entirely? Like just kind of like mention the previous coach of the Montreal Canadiens, like in passing. Yeah, just say that they made the coaching change to their former coach, and now they have a current coach who's a former player who's not tall. But yeah, Toffoli's been good. The Flames are a wagon. They're they've won ten straight now. I mean, did I see it coming? Am I a genius? It's not for me to say, but maybe. Caleb just does make a great point that Tyler Toffoli is a fantasy league favorite of his, and that that fits our oh absolutely your lineups in with veterans mm-hmm. like Jeff Carter and Tyler Toffoli that nobody else is excited about, and you're going to do probably do okay. You need you need the Tyler Toffolis on your team. Caleb also said he was listening to us talk to Truba joking about Fox after watching Keandre Miller get a game winning shootout goal. So he was talking about that group of Rangers defensemen, which we talked about with Truba, who was yeah. great. Who was great, by the way. If you're a Rangers fan, go back and listen to that because he was he was chill. He was kind of in vacation mode. It was a lot of fun. Um, but that's a gr- that's a good group. We'll see what happens with them moving forward. I mean, that team. I thought I thought the interview was funny because like you in particular were kind of like <laughs> basically like you, are you guys are you, are you as good as it seems like you are. <laughs> That was kind of, I, that was kind I, of I'm not question. sure. It was I an honest, I, I, I honest question. I don't think they are, but that doesn't mean that they don't have some really interesting pieces. They've got they've got some star star caliber players or players having star caliber seasons. You have the Caco Lafreniere question marks. Maybe they yeah. Maybe they you know gas up in in March, and they have Shesterkin, who's good enough to do whatever you need him to do. I just don't. Um, I, I don't think on balance they're the third best team in the league or, or, or whatever. Why didn't you say that when Jacob at. Truba was sitting there? I don't remember you raising any of these points. I know because I'm a coward. Oh, Will C says Preds fan here. Really loved your bonus episode about teams who should make a big trade. I was so upset last year when they didn't commit to a fire sale rebuild, as as was I, and I'm so conflicted now that they are exceeding everyone's expectations. Uh, my question is this: Forsberg has been a trade rumor. For a while now. But if you were Poyle, would you consider trading Saros given that you drafted a great young goalie prospect in Askarov? If you trade Saros, good you tra- question. it is a good question. But if you trade Saros, you trade everybody. Trade everybody. Blow yeah, it up. you might as well. That's just- it. And Forsberg, for that matter, at this point. Right. Like, if you trade any of those guys, I mean, obviously, Yossi's in that group and, you know, whatever. Duchesne's played his way in, into, that, into that group now, too. If you trade any of those guys, you're done. Like, that's fine. I, I don't really have, inherently have a problem with that. And that was where, that was kind of the realization that I that I personally wanted to see the Preds make before the season, right? Because I'm like, this would be fun. Yeah. We have a team with interesting pieces that would be like a seller, right? Where you're like, who's, like, what happens to Forsberg? What happens to Duchesne? Like, you kind of throw these, you know, solid, solid players and sprinkle them throughout the league, right? It's always good when there's a seller that has good players that's actually selling. Right. But as we said in the bonus episode, we were all in on the Preds just going for it. 
Like when you know what I mean? Like it's like the stars at this point. It's not going to get any better in year one or two mm-hmm. after this if you're the predators. So that was our Apple podcast. If you're a subscriber, Apple Plus podcast, uh, you you got to listen to that. But that was in a nutshell. Predators were our surprise. Like go for it, predators. So we're saying no. Don't do it. Don't trade. Don't trade your goalie. See what happens this year, and then re- reevaluate in the off season. Maybe this is maybe they fall apart down the stretch and end up whatever losing in getting swept in the first round of the playoffs or something. And then maybe then you say like, all right, this isn't working. We need to transition into the next phase, whatever it might be for this organization. Right. But this season, man, just keep it together. See what happens. The West really isn't that good. There's not, there's not, there's not that many good teams. That's why I love what the flames did. You just recognize like, yes, the abs are here, but everybody else is playing for second place. Let's just, let's gas up and see how it works. And we all know the Avs are going to lose in the second round anyways. Here's the other thing. I would say, um, no, I don't know. I don't believe that really. Oh, you should you, Dude, who's the coward now? Stick to it. Come oh, on, all right. on, bro. Fine. The Avs are losing the second <laughs> round. I'll stick with it. Um, oh, speaking of Askarov, I, 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 um, this is a fun like thing that I remember uh, that I don't know if what, I think if the Predators hadn't taken him, the Florida Panthers, if I remember this correctly, were sitting we're drafting in the vicinity. Even with Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky, oh, man. I believe they were looking really, they were going to just, they were just going to say, Hey, this guy is the best guy on the board. We have to take him and we'll worry about the rest later. I believe that's what they were going to do and just follow up conversations. Or I, I think they were looking really hard at that scenario, which I just, I love that idea. Like you already have. So it's just, just best player available is this rushing goalie. We're going for it. I wish that would have happened. That would have been, that would have been a blast. Maybe not the worst in hindsight, I mean, not, not like Spencer Knight's been all that great, you know? I don't know. Um, Are we allowed to say I that? Stand for Actually, that never, mind. never mind. He's, he's awesome. Uh, Josh H. <laughs> all right, let's talk about this one, this comment from Josh H., who's not a regular listener to the podcast, clearly. Mm-hmm. He says, this podcast played automatically after another podcast. That's actually how we get most of our listens. Mm-hmm. The autoplay. By, by accident, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody's actually searching us out. They just, if, if we happen to start playing, and that's what happened to Josh H. And he said, I listened for 20 minutes before realizing Craig wasn't a giggly Pierre Lebrun. Um, <sighs> uh, he says, honestly, if Pierre Lebrun smoked weed, they'd be indis- indistinguishable. What do you mean if? Now, that's a loaded sentence. <laughs> Is he? You know, I don't think you guys, I, I, I love like, I love that he thinks that, but I don't agree with that. Did it. I sound like Pierre? I don't think so at all. I've never, I don't know if I've gotten that. Mm-mm. But that's, I could, there's worse comparisons. There was somebody, we were talking to somebody who you sounded exactly like, and it was tough to tell you apart. That this is. Seriously? People, people were joking about it. This is months ago. I, I can't remember who it is now. Well, um, someday we'll have Phil Kessel on and we can just not, do the Sean Jensen. It's, it's not true. Josh goes on, I wonder what the sponsors think of their ads being read in the tone of a condescending teenager. Then he made a vulgar comment about one of our one of our beloved advertisers that we will not Yeah, how dare you, Josh. <clears throat> does, anyone, our advertisers. does anyone read these comments or am I shouting into the void? I know my BlackBerry is compatible here. <laughs> Just a tour de force. Unreal. Josh H. with this comment debut. Also, possibly accidentally reference and that might be another pierre reference because my man had a blackberry way 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 longer than he should have pierre did oh yeah he was he was not getting rid of that until he had to um did you know by the way did you know that blackberries 
until recently where I had a, but I have a, but I, a dude I work with had a BlackBerry <clears throat> until a couple months ago. Cause that's when BlackBerry finally, finally said like your, your devices aren't going to work on cell networks anymore. There were still the, functioning Blackberries in the wild well, as of I'm like, not surprised because people have flip phones and it, like, it's cool to have old electronics now. Like that seems to be a thing. Did, did the Blackberry chats, was that still a thing? Like you had to, wasn't there a thing where Black, I never had, had, had one. Blackberry people that I never did. And like Pierre would be like, Oh, I just got a text from a GM, but it's a secret Blackberry Canadian chat. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, That's you guys, bullshit. I'm just going to text them like a, like a, like a, like a normal person without a Blackberry pin. Yeah, I don't know. That had to be that had to be a graveyard. That was probably like signing into Instant Messenger like the last couple years that it was that it was on where you're like, okay, it's just there's four people on here. Tipsy McSaggers is the name of a bar originally referenced in the Simp in the Simpsons. I am ashamed to have forgotten that. So thank you, Brie. Is that true? Did you did that like re were you like uh Yeah. Yeah. Were you like, oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Briefcase J. Yep. Briefcase. I, I hope it's I hope it's briefcase Joe. I hope that's what that stands for because that's a very funny joke from, I believe, Jimmy Kimmel when he talked about bringing a briefcase for some reason to class on the first day of school and the kids called him briefcase Joe. But yeah, that is a... Wow. That, that would is, be a deep... Well, I mean... I, why is first name briefcase? Like, whatever. Another th another thing I uh, realized on our... I, I celebrated a long weekend of President's Day as every American does, of course. And... Uh, was I watched a went on a Simpsons marathon with my youngest, it kind of you know as as one should. Um, I didn't. So we we had a bit called my uh, our two cents or our, just our two cents, which I just thought was you know two cents. Do you know Kent Brockman had a mm -hmm. my two cents? Bit. That's right. I thought that was so. Part, I think we should I bring it back. Was, I thought that was part of the joke. Did you? <laughs> maybe we have a lot of Simpsons references we don't even realize. Um. Yeah, we. I watched some of that. I. The Simpsons being on Disney Plus is yeah made my it's life good. better by probably seven percent, we'll say. But I did see that there was a there was a marathon on cable yesterday and watched a little bit of it, of course. Rhett Z, far too much Canadian team trade talk. He censored the A and the first A in Canadian. Which <laughs> I is, like that. Just which, is, which, is, would which is really funny. Yes, Rhett, that was fine work. <laughs> Especially when my U.S.-based Wild made a blockbuster deal this week, too. I expect 10-plus minutes breaking down the Andrew Hammond for Brandon Braddock trade. <laughs> Seven and five-eighths hat size here. I stand I stand with you, Rhett. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Andrew Hammond for Brandon Braddock, but, buddy, we are officially one month away from the trade deadline here, and mm -hmm. we celebrated that with the Eric Tehachik, uh trade deadline big board update. Oh, yeah. 2.0 is already up. It's got Klingberg, Drew, 28 other players who could be dealt. This is, he means it in the truest sense, the big board. And it's only half consisting of Coyotes in their Who do they even? Rink that okay, won't be ready on Okay, time. so beyond, <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm, unreal news breaking at the start of this podcast that the, <laughs> that the, that the rec center rink will not be, probably not be functioning in time for them, which is amazing. Um, well, first off, who else do the Coyotes have to trade other than Phil and Chickering? Like, do they? No, I'm just joking. That's it. That's it. That's that's, that's that's it, right? I don't know. I mean, like, who? They might have some dude stashed on, you know, whatever Robodaw Island that they're that they're 
They could trade the Marion Hosa contract. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking. I haven't looked at their cap their cap friendly page in a while. There's got there's got to be some funny some funny shit on there. Um, is there? I'm really interested to see what happens with JT Miller. I, I think he's mm. he's the guy who, you know, I know we've heard that the that the uh, Canucks maybe are interested in keeping him around. He's definitely a guy that Jim Rutherford, you know. Is going to gravitate towards because he's got some. He's kind of uh, he's kind he's kind of a jerk in a good way. He's he's got yeah. positional versatility, you know whatever. Um, but that is that is that is interesting because the Canucks need cap space, you know, and a lot of those other guys, you know, do you move out Brock Besser to create cap space? I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, Jim's going to do something. He's, he oh, won't be able to hundred percent. So, so I, I know he's he probably likes JT Miller a lot, and it would. But when we, when you're like, okay, this combination isn't working, you know, you have to you have to make some tough decisions. I'm guessing, you know, he's going to do something, and and that make that one makes a lot of sense to me. As much as you, you know, you, everything you said about JT is true, but he also that's why teams like him. That's why you get a ton of value, and it gives you a chance to to shake things up in Vancouver. All right. So, in honor of um, so the, the trade board and Rhett uh, leaving a great comment, is there anybody you would handpick from this trade board to put on the Minnesota Wild? I mean, we talked about Giroux last week. I I, yeah. I think that it. I don't know that that forward group is so stacked, and I think that might be a little bit of you know putting a hat on a hat. You know, you right. you, you talked about that last night when sometimes when stuff is going really well, you got to be conscious of kind of upsetting the apple cart a little bit too much but i'm gonna i'm going to say it again i want them to acquire a goalie and if that means acquiring mark andre Fleury, i think they should go out and do it because i do not trust cam talbot i don't and i don't think anybody should so they should have another it's you're allowed to have two fts and goalies i said this to somebody who is who it was a wild fan honestly because i whatever made some i was I talked about Cam Talbot in the power ranking and said said effectively the same thing. Like they need another. Why do you goalie. hate Cam Talbot so much? I, like I, I don't. I th- I I think he's a. I think he's just a weak point on that on that roster. And it's easy. The easiest thing. Th- this is a way I think about trying to figure out what team should add. And it's and it's super basic, but whatever. If the Minnesota Wild get bounced in the first round or whatever in the second round, fifth game loss, five game loss, whatever it is, what is the most likely reason for that to happen? It's going to be goaltending. It just is. They have, they, they have the, they have a, they have a great defensive group. They have an insane amount of depth at forward for that organization. Historically led by the alpha dog and Kaprizov who makes that entire line click. Like you got to figure out what the most likely reason that your team fails is and then try to address it. And for that, for me with them, it's goaltending. So go out and get flurry. We know, we know Billy Garen, <laughs> Billy Garen has some, has some experience with Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, that's right. Go get him, man. Let's wrap this up, Shawnee. Um, mm. I do want to give another plug. We did it last week, but to Arthur Staples, new Rangers podcast, the garden faithful. If you're a Rangers fan, check that out. Arthur's the best. Uh, shout out to the, I guess the, the Monday show, Ian Mendez, uh, and Julian McKenzie again, congratulations on your win, etc. They have, uh, Cheryl Pounder on the show this week. Who's great so, by the way. Yeah, that's, I will, I'm happy to plug that. Um, 
She's she's also, cool. she's cool. I don't know about those other two dudes. Cheryl is cool. Also, we referenced the Apple Podcast bonus episode that's on the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. If you want to get that, you can start a 30-day free trial for just 99 cents a month after the 30-day free trial wraps up and you get all of our bonus content. This week, it's the Wednesday group that's doing the bonus content. Um, also, great deal right now on The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash hockey show, you get in for a dollar a month for six months. What's better than that? Good. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's better than that. At all. In the world. And that's we, a wrap. We talked, a, we, this is like way too much hockey talk today, I feel like. Right? Way too much. First segment beyond beyond the anthem was very serious. Third segment, very serious. Do you feel like the anthem like set the tone that it made things like feel like we had to I feel like it, it changed the whole tone of the show today well buddy the bright side is we're never gonna do that again <laughs> we don't ever have to worry about it so if that if that changed the vibes in the room it's a one-time thing because that uh, ain't never yeah. happening again yeah you're welcome everybody. for Sean Gentilly I'm Craig Custance you've been listening to the Tuesday American edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Have a great week. Hashtag T-A-H-S Tuesday Boys with three Z's. Good evening.